Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Final segment of the one o'clock hour. Thank you for joining me. I got some music for you. Just to set the mood. All right. We're going to talk about something. Something you're going to enjoy here in a second. Yeah. Here we go. So here's the deal. A bunch of smart scientists have gotten together and they decided to study the personality of Westerners. Yeah, people like you and me. (laughs) They surveyed some 3 million Americans. 3 million? 3 million is many. And from those surveys, they extracted certain areas, certain attitudes. And they were able to look at the areas across this great country where those attitudes were most prevalent. And they saw some interesting trends amongst U.S. residents living in the Mountain West and Appalachia. There's a distinct personality makeup consistent with frontier settlement. (laughs) And according to the scientists, some of those traits are endearing and others are maybe less so. (laughs) <laughs> so here's the deal. Uh, some some big, smart universities around the world, to include Cambridge, uh, University of Health Sciences in Austria, uh, University of Melbourne, uh, also University of Texas. Don't worry. Don't worry. We've got, uh, we've got an American university mixed in there. What happened was uh, three million surveys were distributed across this great country, and they were distributed evenly across uh, ge- geographic areas. So 37,000 zip codes were represented. And the questions varied. They were trying to get a sense of people's personality, uh, the way they lived their life, get a measure of their grit, uh, of their passiveness, or whatever. Just trying to understand uh, what people are like across this country and then see if there were uh, geographic trends. And it turns out uh, that there, in fact, is a very significant Uh, very significant and identifiable trend amongst those who live in mountainous regions. Those who responded to this survey and live in mountainous regions displayed, get this, lower levels of agreeableness, extroversion, or conscientiousness. Yeah, they're saying that about us. This is a mountainous region. If I look out the window, if I look out any of the windows, I see mountains. 
Respondents to this survey who live in mountainous regions display lower levels of agreeableness, extroversion, and conscientiousness. Now, now, what if, think about this, what if those traits happen to have been passed down to us by the earliest settlers in these mountainous regions? Those may be exactly the traits, those may be exactly the traits necessary to survive in an area like this. Territorial, self-focused, survival strategies. Right? You got to look out for yourself. Now, over time, those traits uh, may have distilled uh, into individualism. Characterized, uh, again, this is according to uh, the one, one of the lead scientists on this deal. It says, quote, these traits may have distilled over time into an individualism characterized by toughness and self-reliance that lies at the heart of the American frontier ethos. Now, listen, the, the big smart guy whose name is, it's not easy to pronounce. It's another one of those names that, it's Friedrich uh, Goetz. I think is how you pronounce that. Help me out. It's spelled G-O-T-Z, but the O has those two dots on the top. I forget what those, uh, kumquats, is that what they call it? I don't know. Uh, Friedrich Goetz of Cambridge, uh, he says, uh, listen, Utahns, you don't need to worry. Uh, he doesn't think that we're a bunch of unfriendly loners. In fact, uh, amongst the mountain living respondents, there were lower levels of neuroticism. As I share these details with you, uh, think about yourself. Think about your uh, parents. Think about your grandparents. Does this ring? Does any of this ring true? When I first came across this study, and I saw that it, oh, it was Cambridge and an Australian school, uh, and all these, how are they possibly going to uh, peek into uh, the way we live here in Utah? And ident- I, there's no way. But as I as I as I walked through some of these findings, I thought, oh, actually, that kind of makes sense. All right, so Friedrich says that here in Utah, we're not a bunch of unfriendly loners, uh, that we, in fact, here have lower levels of neuroticism and, in fact, a higher level of openness to experience. This trait uh, 10 times stronger among residents of the old western frontier than those who live in eastern ranges. So we here in Utah, we're the open-minded folks, okay? Not the East Coasters. (laughs) Uh, Goats continues, taken together, uh, this psychological fingerprint for mountainous areas may be, and I I like the way he phrases this, may be an echo of the personality types that sought new lives in unknown territories. So think about that. Think about uh, the the, the pure form of this personality trait. When this region uh, was first populated, when there uh, were settlers moving across the plains, making their way out here uh, to turn Utah into their home, what must have been their personality type as they sought new lives in unknown territories? It makes sense that they would have an openness to experience, that they would have lower levels, levels of neuroticism. They would have had to have an optimism and a willingness to adapt uh, that would far outshine any of the woke attitudes we hear described back east, right? Yeah, an incredibly open attitude. And, and we see that here, according to the, the, the study, we see that here in the mountain regions as well as 
uh, in the the Appalachian regions uh, back in the south. Where it's mountainous, this is the attitude uh, that rules the day. And uh, it isn't just topography. It isn't just topography that shapes these attitudes. It's also uh, how how culture and personality gets passed down. You heard goats uh, re- refer to personality types as as echoes, or at least some of our current personality types to exist as echoes of our uh, you know forebearers. Well, it's not just uh, location, but it is the way uh, that it is the way that we relate to those who came before us. I personally am a very nostalgic person. I know that my personality today is made up of an exact combination of my dad's personality and my mom's personality. I, uh, I, I can feel it in the way that I think, the way that I feel. And, and if you know my dad, uh, you can probably hear it in the way that I speak. And because uh, we here in Utah you know, have uh, an arguably closer relationship with our uh, forebears uh, than do uh, others, we will uh, more closely replicate their attitudes. And uh, we might today be the way we are uh, because of the way our ancestors were years and years ago. A fun little study. I'll uh, post the results on my Facebook page. Please have a look at that. Quick break. When we return, we're going to have a look at the Salt Lake City Airport. Opens with a new wing tomorrow. What should we call it? We'll debate that next on Live Mike. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.